I want to take this opportunity to welcome all of you to our Easter services at the Nineveh Christian Church. Today we call this the Super Bowl of Sundays for the year, Easter. Last year we had about 1,400 people attend our three services. Today, things are very different. We're experiencing a worldwide pandemic, <clears throat> and our services are going to be online only. This is the highlight of the Christian calendar. We call it Resurrection Sunday. And today I want to focus on and celebrate the supernatural work of God that changed the world. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here we are some 2,000 years later, and we're still talking about a single event that happened on a single Sunday, and it changed the world forever. And I use the word today, supernatural. Supernatural because there is no natural man that can accomplish the resurrection of the dead. Let me say it again. It is supernatural. It is against the natural abilities, above the natural abilities of man, to accomplish what we celebrate today, the resurrection of the dead. Who can make a dead person come back to life? Who can make a dead person start breathing after the breath of life has departed from their body? Some of you, I can imagine, might say, well, doctors have done that. They have shocked people back to life. And yes, in some cases, doctors have been able to resuscitate and shock people back to life. But if doctors truly had this resurrection power, then there would be no more death. There would be no death in our hospitals. There would be no fear of a pandemic if doctors had the power, the tools, the medicine, the something to make dead people start breathing again. Do you think we'd be in a pandemic of fear? But you know it's not true. When the human life, when the breath of life departs from the human flesh, death enters. And there is no power, no human power that has the ability to create or renew life once that moment takes place. Humans cannot produce life. And let that be the foundation on this Easter Sunday. Humans cannot produce life. We cannot breathe the breath of life into someone who has died. So let's start there today. Only a supernatural power not the power of natural man, only a supernatural, above man, beyond man, has the power to produce life from non-life, to give life when non-life exists. Jesus is supernatural. Jesus is supernatural. He is above natural man. He is the Son of God and the Son of Man in the same person. No one else can hold those two titles. He is the Son of God and the Son of Man inside a single individual. He is supernatural. That makes Jesus unique among all the humans who have ever been upon the earth. Jesus came from heaven. And notice what Jesus says about this whole life Thing. Jesus comes from heaven. He is supernatural. He is above natural man. And in John chapter 3, verse 6, this is what 
Jesus, supernatural man Jesus says, humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit, notice this statement. This is absolute truth. Humans can only reproduce human life. But the Holy Spirit's different. The Holy Spirit's not human. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to a new kind of life, a different kind of life, a supernatural life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Humans can reproduce human life. How? Let's focus there. By having children. You can, a parent's, A man and a woman together can reproduce human life. God has given us the ability to reproduce human life by having children. But all human life that we reproduce has a problem. We eventually die. We expire. We run out of breath. The breath of life leaves all human life eventually. And Jesus says, but humans have this power. We can reproduce what we have been given. But there's a problem to reproducing only that which we have been given. We reproduce people who die just like we die, just like our parents died, and just like our grandparents died. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus in this one verse, verse 6, the Holy Spirit, however, can produce something, can give birth to something beyond human life, supernatural above human life. He refers to it, in the NLT, it's referred to as a spiritual life. And spiritual life doesn't have an expiration date. Spiritual life doesn't run out of this breath of life. The Holy Spirit is supernatural power, a power that humans, doctors, scientists do not possess, the power of life itself. And Jesus, in that same text from the Gospel of John, connects the Spirit, which has the power to give the spiritual life, a supernatural breath of life. Jesus, in that same text, connects the Spirit to this. The wind, the breath, moving, powerful breath of life itself. So let me go back and read verses 6 through 8 now, putting it all together. Jesus said humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised, Jesus says, when I say you must be born again. The wind blows. Now he's going to connect the Holy Spirit, this breath of life, this supernatural um, spiritual life to being born again. And then he compares that breath to the wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain human beings. You can't explain how people are born again by the Spirit. You know why? Because it's supernatural. We can't explain the supernatural because we're natural. We're not above ourselves. 
But one who is supernatural is explaining it. The Holy Spirit's like the wind. He's the breath of life. Humans can only reproduce human life, and that life expires. It comes with an expiration date. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. You can't explain this breath of life. It's supernatural. It's beyond our ability to comprehend. Humans can only reproduce humans, but the Holy Spirit gives birth or beginnings to a spirit-powered eternal life supernaturally. The process of crossing over from human life, listen carefully, the process of crossing over from human life to spiritual life, Jesus calls born again. The crossover from a human reproduced life, which is how we all begin life, to a spiritual, supernatural, eternal life, born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, Jesus said. The Spirit is like the wind, like the very breath of God. And Jesus announces this truth. You must be born again to keep your breath. Let's make it simple. To keep the breath that you currently have, the life that's in you now, you must be born a second time. Not of human reproduction, but of a supernatural inhabitation of the Spirit of God, life in me to keep my breath. If you're not born again, you will eventually one day expire. If you're not born again, Jesus says, one day you're going to lose your breath and you're going to die. I've watched this happen on many occasions, more than I would like to think about where I've been next to a person who's breathing their last breath and watching that person, that person that that once was uh, a living, moving, vibrant individual and watching the last breath come out of their mouth. And they stop breathing. The breath of life leaves that person's natural body and an empty corpse remains. It's a terrible thing to watch. I'm going to tell you, it's a horrible thing to watch. Sometimes uh, I wish I were not there when it happened because sometimes it it gets in my mind and and I can see it later, the person breathing their last breath and watching and seeing what it looks like when life has departed from the human flesh. A corpse, that's the word we use, a corpse remains. And there's nothing in that moment, in that nothing, in that moment, there is nothing any human can do to fix this condition. It's over. It's finished. An empty body, the spirit has departed. The life has departed. There is no more breath. There is no breathing. And there is because there is no breath. There is no breath of life and there is no life without the breath of life. Humans have the power to reproduce human life. And even that, and even that, Jesus says humans have the power. It's a God-given power, but humans do right now have the power to reproduce human life. But even that had a beginning. Even that had a beginning. So how do you think life began? 
Where does this breath of life that we talk about passing from humans to human, reproducing human life, where do you think this life begins with us? Where do you think the breath of life comes from? What is its origin? The Bible clearly states, and I believe what I hold in my hand is the only physical source of absolute truth on this planet. And the Bible clearly states that God formed Adam's body from the dust of the earth. But at that moment of forming, there was no breath in Adam, no life in Adam. Adam was formed by God from the dust of the earth. But Adam was lifeless. He was breathless. No breath, no life in Adam until what? Until the wind. That's how Jesus compares the spirit until the wind begins to blow. So what's the source of this wind? This wind is the breath of God himself. And God's wind, God's breath comes upon Adam. Man cannot and did not give this breath of life to Adam because there were no men to give it to Adam. Adam was the first man. God alone, and yes, God is spirit, and God is life itself. God gives breath, gives life to Adam. And God will give a power to Adam and to Eve to reproduce human life. And we still have the power to reproduce human life. But then all human life, unless it is born again, eventually dies. You see, I'm convinced chance, chance, random processes or exploding stars did not put this breath of life inside of Adam. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. I believe I read to you right now absolute truth. The Lord God formed the man, Adam, from the dust of the ground, and he, God, breathed the breath of life. There is no other place you can get the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became what the man had not previously been, a living person, a living being, a living soul. The breath of God inside the body of man is called life. I want to say it again. The breath of God. Let's define what it is actually that makes us alive. The breath of God. A part of God inside of us is what makes us alive. It's called life. That's when you become a living person. That's when you become a living soul. Men and women can reproduce this life, but we cannot create this life from nothing, and we cannot give this life to someone who has died. It's an immutable fact. It is a fact. Men and women can reproduce this life by having children, but we cannot determine how long this breath of life will last in those children. We can give them life. God gave us the ability to reproduce life by, by, by marrying and having children. But we can't tell them how long that life will last inside those bodies. The breath of life has come to all of us. 
but it has an expiration date. We don't know how long we will breathe this breath of life, but we know, barring the return of Christ in the flesh, this breath of life will one day cease. It will end. So let's look at that. Before the flood of Noah, people were living much, much, much longer than they do today. Have you ever thought about that? This breath of life that came to Adam and to Eve, and they reproduced human life that reproduced human life that reproduced human life. What was it like before the flood? Well, the Bible, again, gives us some historical data. Adam lived 930 years before the breath of life left his human body. 930 years. Adam's son, Seth, lived 912 years before the breath of life left his human body. Methuselah has the record, as far as we know, of 969 years before the breath of life left his human body. Now, they were all reproducing human life, long life from my perspective today. They were reproducing, Adam and Eve and then Seth and Methuselah, they were reproducing human life much longer than anything we know about today. And from God's perspective, people were living too long. Did you hear me? From God's perspective, people were living too long on the earth. Why? Because sin was increasing. Not only was their lifespan long, 969 years for Methuselah, but sin inside these human lives was increasing and increasing and increasing. So God told Noah that he was going to make a change. Genesis 6 verse 3. And then the Lord said, notice the wording, my spirit. What is life? What did Jesus say? But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. God said to Noah, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time. 900 years. My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time. For their mortal flesh in the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Do you know anybody more than 120? All of that to bring me to my main point for this Easter weekend. Natural man can only reproduce human life. And all human life comes with an expiration date. We know this is true. This is a fact. And you would have a difficult time disagreeing with me on this single fact. The spirit, however, natural man can and will and has reproduced human life, but always with an expiration date. But the spirit. The spirit, however, can give birth to a spiritual life. And Jesus calls this being born again. Not like being born of human parents, because that always has an expiration date. This is going to be born again into a new type of life, a spiritual life. Spiritual life doesn't have an expiration date on it. Why? Because the Spirit is life. And when you're born again of the Spirit, 
You're born again into life itself. Not mortality, but immortality. The Spirit doesn't bring life. Listen carefully, church. The Spirit doesn't bring life when we are born again. The Spirit is life when we are born again. The Spirit is the breath of God. And the breath of God is eternal. You ever thought about the description of God? The God who was and is and is to come. He has always been. He always is and he always will be. Why? Because God is spirit and spirit is life. And how long has the life been there with God? Always was, always is, always will be. That's why Jesus says this in the same chapter, the same context of John chapter 3, which I've already been reading. Let's go to verse 3. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, unless you are born again, you have a fundamental problem, unless you are born again. I'm not talking about humans reproducing human life that always comes to an expiration date. Unless you are born again, different than your first birth, you cannot, you cannot see, you cannot enter, you cannot experience the kingdom of God. Why? 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 Jesus says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Why can't people go to heaven unless they're born again? Let's just think about it. He's made a statement. It's absolute truth. But why? Why can't people in this flesh, in this body, reproduced body of parents of human life, why can't we see the kingdom of heaven? Because people in heaven won't die. And people who aren't born again are already dying. Are you with me? Why? Why can't, why do I have to be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven, to see the kingdom of heaven? Because in this current flesh, I'm dying. In this current flesh, everybody is dying. And heaven is not about dying. Heaven is a place for the living. Natural man cannot and will not enter heaven because heaven is for living people only. Can you hear me? Heaven's not for dying people. Heaven's not a place of people dying. Heaven is a place of living people who have the spirit, the breath of God inside of them, and they have life eternal. Heaven's not a place of the dead. It is a place of the living. So dead and dying people aren't going to be in heaven. Do you doubt me? Do you doubt that statement? Dead and dying, dead and dying people are not going to be in heaven. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, the Apostle Paul writes this. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies, what we are in right now, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies, these dying bodies, and you know what he's describing? That which natural man can reproduce, can reproduce, can reproduce. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever because heaven was never made for dying people heaven was made for people who are alive and will remain alive forever born again 
Jesus calls it born again. It's the only way to move from physical man-made subject to death person. To be born again is to move from a physical man-made subject to death person. That's who we are before we're born again. To a spirit-breathed life eternal person. You're a new person. You're a new creation. You're a new work of God. Let me read Jesus' original statement one more time. And this time I want to put it all in context. Verse 6 through 8. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. You can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Okay, preacher, on this Easter weekend, you have my attention. So how do I get born again? Let's just say that this is the first time you're ever hearing this message. Maybe this is the first time in your entire life that you've paid attention. Maybe it took a pandemic and a quarantine to get your attention. So what must I do to be born again? If this is the source, the, the transformation from death to life, I want to know how. How can I move from a human reproduced life to the breath of God life? How can I cross over from death, which is my current status, without God, to life? And how can I breathe this eternal breath of life in my body, and can I do it today? Can I do it now? How can I move from death to life? And how can I get this breath of God inside of me, this picture? How can I breathe this life inside of me? And can I do it now? Is it possible today? Before I reveal the message of Jesus to you today, you must understand that the world has already rejected the message I'm about to share with you. So understand, I need to tell you this up front. Before I tell you the truth about the breath of life, you must know that the world overall has already rejected what I'm about to reveal to you today from the Word of God. Do you know that? The rejection was announced. This rejection was announced by the prophet Simeon when Jesus was an eight-day-old baby boy. So don't be surprised that the world around us is going to reject the very thing that I preach today is absolute truth. The crossing over from death to life will not be accepted by everyone. No. Overall, the world has, is, and will continue to reject the message. So let's do something. I want to show to you, even when Jesus was a baby, eight days old, Mary and Joseph have taken Jesus to the temple to do the Jewish uh, religious rituals, and they encounter a prophet there named Simeon. And listen to what he says in Luke 2, 28. Simeon was there. He took the child, eight-day-old Jesus, baby. He took the child in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised I have seen your salvation. Oh, I'm moved. Every time I read this, I'm moved. 
this guy, the Holy Spirit had told Simeon, you're not going to die until you see your salvation, until you see Messiah. And now he holds the Son of God in his hands. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And I want you to understand that that is also a reference not just to the Jewish world, but to the Gentile world. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people Israel, Israel, the Jews, and the Gentiles. And Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed Jesus' parents And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child, here it comes. I'm telling you, what I'm about to reveal to you today about being born again, it was prophesied by Simeon when Jesus was even a baby, this statement. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to what? To fall. They're not going to believe it. He has just told them that this blessing, that he's going to be the light of the Gentiles, the light of the Jewish world. And then he says, this child is destined. It is his destiny to cause many in Israel to fall, but he'll be a joy to others. He'll be a joy to many others. And here comes last sentence. He has, he has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. What does it mean oppose him? They will oppose his person. They will oppose his message. They will oppose the very reason that he came. They will be against him. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Who would oppose Jesus? Who would deny the supernatural spirit of God, the spirit of life itself come to the earth? Who would be against this? Who would be against him? This child, this man Jesus was destined to cause many to fall. But he will be a joy to many others. Many will oppose this message of eternal life that I'm going to tell you today. Many will oppose it, the idea of being born again. This idea that there is an absolute source of truth, an absolute source of life itself. They will oppose it. Even While they're dying, they will still oppose it. I've come to this simple conclusion. He will be the dividing line of all humanity. Dividing line. Jesus, he was and he is and will continue to be until his return. The dividing line of all humanity. And what I mean by the dividing line, on one side will be life and on the other side will be death. And he will be the dividing line between the two. Simeon has made his prophetic announcement to Mary and Joseph. So let's fast forward some 33 years past Simeon. And Jesus is in his final days of his earthly ministry. Remember, this Jesus is the supernatural son of man, the supernatural son of God in the same person. He is the supernatural son of man, which means he came from Mary, the Virgin Mary, but he is also the son of God, which means uh, Joseph is not his daddy, not his father. 
His father is God. He's the son of man. He's the son of God in the same person. He is supernatural. He is above natural man. Any natural man, anytime, anywhere, he's above them. He's beyond them. Remember, Jesus, his father, is not Adam. His lineage is not traced from Adam. His father is God. And listen, his father is spirit. Jesus says that the Father is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him how? In spirit and in truth. Remember, humans can only reproduce human life. And Jesus is human, and he's also God in the flesh, supernatural. The angel announced this specific detail to Mary before her supernatural conception. Before Simeon prophesied eight-day-old baby Jesus, some nine months before that, the angel Gabriel comes and he says this to Mary. Luke 1.35. The angel replied to Mary, An angel talking to Mary. Listen carefully. What did he say to her? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Life, supernatural life is going to come upon you. Remember what Jesus said? Humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life, supernatural life. So Gabriel looks at Mary and he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And the power of the Father, the Most High, will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he'll be called the Son of God. The Spirit of God came upon Mary, and she became pregnant with the Son of God. A supernatural child would be born from Mary's womb. And that was not from Adam. Not from the seed of Adam. Are you listening? This is the only time in human history that this would ever happen. A supernatural child would be born of a woman, would be born of Mary, a virgin, Not tracing his lineage from Adam, not from that seed, but from a supernatural spirit of God seed. Life, eternal life, was placed inside the womb of a woman by the spirit who is life itself. Do you see it? I'll give you a hint. It's the first verse I think I read today. John 3, 6, humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. What's making Mary pregnant? But the Holy Spirit gives birth to a new kind of life, a spiritual life. Do you see it? Stay with me. Later, Jesus stands in front of his 12 disciples and he asks them a question. Who do people say that I am? Because that was really the debate. 
Jesus had told them that he's from heaven, that his father is God himself. And Jesus, some people believed it, some people rejected, some people scratched their heads like, I don't know. So Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? And Simon Peter answers, you, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter knows. Listen. Peter knows who Jesus' father is. Now, you can read that a hundred times and maybe miss the main point. Peter knows who Jesus' real father is. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter knows who Jesus' father is. And let me pause on the story and ask everyone listening to me today. Do you know who Jesus' father is? Are you sure? You cannot know this supernatural truth from human sources. That's what makes this really a big question. You cannot know who Jesus' real father is by human sources. It must be revealed by the Spirit. This is big. Today, do you know what Peter knew? And I want to tell you why. I say that with such emphasis. Let's go to verse uh, 15. Matthew 16, 15. Then he asked him, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And he's individually looking at the group. He's already asked who the, who the public thinks I am. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're the prophet. You're John the Baptist. You're this, you're that. But who do you say that I am? In some ways, Jesus is asking, do you know who my father is? Do you know where I came from? Do you really know who I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And what's Jesus' answer? Because this is when it really gets interesting. Jesus then looks at Simon. You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has just opened your mind to know that he's my daddy. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Who's revealing this supernatural father-son relationship to Peter? Read this. Who's revealing the supernatural God-conceived birth to Peter? God the Father. Who reveals it today? This is big. So if that's how Peter found out, how did I find out? See, I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That God is Jesus' daddy, his father. How did I find that out? Because I believe that with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. How did I find that out? Stay with me. Stay with me. Do you know what happens after this event in Peter's great confession of faith? God revealed confession of faith. You know what happens next? Do you know what happens next? Look at the next verse. That's chapter 16, verse 21. From then on, after this revelation, Peter says, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you because my Father has revealed this to you. You didn't learn it from human beings. From then on, at this moment... Something changes. Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem 
And he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law. And he would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. It was necessary. Listen, church. It was necessary for Jesus to become the dividing line of all humanity. Some will be for him and some will be against him. Some will find joy in his name and they will know that his father is God and some will reject every notion of that truth. The plan of God has now been revealed. This didn't, they didn't fully understand it then and many still don't understand it today. The plan of God was for the Son of God. Listen, the plan of God was for the Son of God to die. He must go through Jerusalem to find his way home. But in Jerusalem, he would die. The Son of God was going to voluntarily give up his life. Listen, listen. He was going to give up his life. Where did his life come from? And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary. Where did his life come from? What's his origin? It came from the Father, filled with grace and truth. The Son of Man was going to voluntarily, voluntarily, no one took his life. He laid it down. He walked into Jerusalem, and he gives up his life. Listen to me. And he gives up his spirit. And he will become the dividing line of all humanity. And he gives up his life. He is the son of man. Which means the Bible, in Hebrews it says he's made like us in every way. And he didn't want to die on a cross. But because the father's will was for him to give up his life and his spirit, he did so. We call it Good Friday. We call it Good Friday. Jesus had been on the cross for some six hours and let's look at that cross scene, that six hours on that fateful Friday. In Luke chapter 23, verse 44. By this time it was noon. Jesus is on the cross. And darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun, gone. And suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And then Jesus shouted. I want, you, I want you to read over the word shouted. Jesus, supernatural son of man, supernatural son of God, supernatural above every human ever been on the earth. He does not trace his lineage to Adam. His lineage comes from God. Life itself is in this man and he shouts. What does he say? Father. Father, I entrust what? My spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. And life exited from his human flesh. Father, my spirit. That which you placed inside of Mary and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. 
Life will come upon you. Not human reproducing, human reproducing, human reproducing life. No, 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 no. Spiritual, supernatural life. And on the cross at sixth hour, he gives up this life. Into the Father's hands. The sun was darkened. And the temple veil was ripped from top to bottom. And Jesus shouts. The Son of God shouts. The supernatural Son of God, the creator of life, shouts. Shouts what? The breath of God inside the only begotten Son of God shouts. And did you hear what he said? Because he shouts this to the entire world on this Easter day. He shouts to the world, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands, into your hands. I commit my spirit. I give my life up to you, Father, in obedience to you, Father. Jesus breathes his last breath. The spirit, the breath departed from the Son of God as he hung on the cross. Why? Why? Why go through all of this? That was the only way. The only price sufficient to redeem us from what Jesus was about to enter. The grave. Jesus gave up his spirit and Jesus gave up his breath to make sure that you and I would have a chance to have a second birthday. To be born again. Jesus did all of that so that you and I would have a chance to have a second birthday. We're not going to be born the second time like humans reproduce human. No, the second time we're going to be born like spirit is reborn. Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. They took Jesus' body down from the cross and they laid his body, his breathless, lifeless body, his corpse in a borrowed tomb. Can you imagine Jesus' mother? In that moment, she was there. She watched it unfold. Did she remember the words of Simeon on that eighth day of Jesus' earthly life when Simeon said, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and he'll be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. Is that going through her mind as they bury her son? Can you imagine what's going on in the mind of John? And the others, he's dead. He's really dead. It's a corpse. He is a body without breath. How can this happen? Not to him. Not to supernatural Jesus. It's Friday. Oh, but Sunday's coming. Praise God for Sunday morning. These next words from the Gospel of Luke will be read all over the world today by those who have been born again. I don't know about you, but I, I get incredible comfort from this. 2,000 years after the fact, and all over this whole planet, yes, even in a pandemic, what I'm about to read to you will be read all over this world from every tribe and tongue and nation. These next words from the Holy Scripture will be read all over the planet so that those who have not yet been born again, those who have not yet heard the message of the good news may come to life may come to life and experience the resurrection of the dead. So here we go. The reason we're here today to celebrate. Luke 24, verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. 
Taking the spices that had been prepared, they found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in and they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And they stood there puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The men were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. The men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? Great question. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and he would rise and he would rise and he would rise again on the third day. I got to tell you, I've been to the empty tomb of Jesus in Jerusalem two times now. I've had the great honor and privilege to travel to Israel twice. And you know what the most interesting thing about going to the place of the garden tomb is? Do you know what the most interesting thing is for me? People travel from all over the world to see nothing except an empty grave. And I pondered that when we were there the last time. There were so many people. You could tell they're coming from all over the world. And they're all standing there looking at an empty grave. What makes this a place that people would come from all over the earth to look at an empty grave, to see nothing's there? It's supernatural. They come to see a supernatural event. Something no human on earth can do. No human on earth can do it nor has done it. To have the breath of life gone and the breath of life return and stand up and walk out of the grave. He's not there. He is risen from the dead. May the angel say that over us one day. He's not there. If the Lord tarries and they put me in a box and put the box in the ground, may the angels say to me what they said to those women that day. He's not there. He is risen. He has ascended to the Father. Yes, there were some other resurrections of the dead in the time of Jesus. Yes, there were. Lazarus, the widow's son in name. There were several of those. Peter was even given the power to raise the dead after Jesus' ascension at the right hand of the Father. But all of those resurrections, except Jesus, all of them ended up how? With a second death. Kind of makes you feel sorry for Lazarus. He had to go through it twice. But not Jesus. Do you know how big this Easter story is? The Apostle Paul describes it like this, Romans 6, verse 7. For when we died with Christ, this is what it is to be born again. I died with Christ. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. And he, listen, you know how big this is? It's not like Lazarus. It's not like the widow's son of name. For he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. And after his ascension, Jesus appeared to the apostle John on the island of Patmos. After all the other apostles are dead, all the other ones are dead. They've been martyred for their faith. We estimate that the apostle John was about 95 years old. 
when Jesus come in what we call the Revelation. So I want to read Revelation 1.17. Everybody else is dead. I want you to think about it. All the other ones are dead. John's the only one remaining. And he's 95 years old, and he's in a prison on an island. And Jesus says this when, uh, in verse 17. And when I saw him, John says, and when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. John, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. Notice how he refers to himself. I'm the living one. I died. Yes, it's true. But look, I am alive forever and ever and ever and ever. And I hold the key to death and the grave. He is the dividing line of all humanity. He holds the key to death and the grave. And here comes the Easter weekend grand finale. I hope you're ready. Do you, do you know how to know that you know that you will never die? Isn't that the idea of the resurrection? To know that you will never die? Do you know how you can be sure right now that your soul will go to be with the Lord if you breathe your last breath from this human body? Do you know how you can be absolutely sure that you will arise, that you, like Jesus, will ascend to the Father when Jesus comes for his bride at the rapture of the church? Do you know? Are you sure you know? I told you that I was going to show you what it meant to be born again. Do you know? Or do you want it to be complicated, unable to understand some religious theology that no one actually gets? If that's what you're looking for, I don't have one. Do you want the absolute truth based on the Word of God? I've got it for you today from the apostle to the Gentiles called Paul. It's found in Colossians 1.25. God has given me the responsibility, Paul said, of serving his church by proclaiming the entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries what message was a secret? And generations past us, it was a secret. But now it has been revealed to God's people. What is the secret revelation that God's people now understand and now embrace as their treasure? For God wanted them to know the riches and glory of Christ are not just for the Jews. They are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Here it is. I'm going to tell you, this is the grand finale. Christ lives in you. That's it. That's the resurrection. That's eternal life. That's what he meant by humans can reproduce human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to eternal life. Christ lives in you. And listen to this last statement. This gives you what? Assurance. It's a promise of sharing in his glory. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ himself. The spirit is the breath of life, the very, very breath of God, the eternal source of life. If Jesus Christ, here it is, if Jesus Christ lives in you, you have the breath of God in you and you can't die while he's in you. The resurrection of Jesus is the proof 
of this today. There you go. Do you need it more clear? Galatians 2.20. Paul says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. There's the born again. The first you is dead. Last week I talked of the fact you must resolutely go to Jerusalem. For in Jerusalem you find your cross. You find your place where you will die to your old self. So that you might be born again and the Holy Spirit comes and reigns in your life. My old self has been crucified with Christ. I no longer, it is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives inside of me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know what that means today? You've already passed from death to life. You know, that's why Christians are the only people on earth who can sing songs in a graveyard. You've already passed from death to life. You're just waiting for that new eternal body to come on that last day. Today, you can walk by the grave. This is personal for me. Today, you can walk by the grave of my dear friend, Brian Perry, and you can say with confidence, he is not there. He is risen. He has ascended. We played Brian's 2019 Easter devotion video this past week. And it has even more power now than it did before. Brian talked about Jesus being in the grave on Saturday awaiting the resurrection. John 5, 24. Jesus said, Jesus, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message, are you hearing it today? Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have, it's not one day you're going to get it. You have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins for they have already passed from death to life. If you're in Christ today and Christ is in you today, you have truly been born again and you have these promises of God. Right now, today, this moment. And if you die tomorrow, the promise is the angels will carry your soul into the presence of God. And there you will reside until the resurrection of the last day. Jesus says it in Luke 16, 22. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and he was buried. And his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in a far distance with Lazarus by his side. If you remain until the trumpet call of God, you will not experience a physical death, but you will receive an eternal body as you rise to meet the Lord in the air. These are the promises of God. You've already crossed from death to life. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you'll not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And first, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. And then together with them, those, those we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And there we shall be with the Lord forever. How long will that take? In a flash. In the blink of an eye is how long it will take. And there won't be time for you to get ready in that blink, in that moment. It'll be too sudden. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. But we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. And when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. And our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting now? It's not a secret anymore because God has revealed it to each one of us today. So have you been born again? Of all the audience, listen, have you been born again by the water, by the Spirit? Jesus says you must be born of the water and be born of the Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit live and breathe inside of you right now? If so, you have the eternal breath of life inside of you. You cannot die. You cannot die. If you do not, if you do not have the living, breathing breath of God, the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, you're already dead. You just don't know it yet. Because humans can only reproduce human life, and all human life dies. But the Spirit gives birth to eternal life. One final word from Jesus. A word of truth for all who will believe on this Easter weekend. Of all places on earth that Jesus could have revealed it, he revealed it in a graveyard. When Jesus looks at Mary and Martha and dead Lazarus, four-day dead Lazarus lies in a tomb, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me, whoever lives and believes in me, will never die. And then he says four words that will transform the earth. Four words that will be the dividing line of all humanity. Do you believe this? Well, do you? Jesus rose from the dead and he turned to the whole world and said, follow me. I believe God is using this pandemic right now to wake people up to life itself. Today, God's word declares that you must be born again to receive this new life in Christ. I don't know what's coming next, and I don't know how much time remains before the return of Christ. But I know this, today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your hearts toward God's word today. Today, God is calling us to be born again and to live a life pleasing to him as we await his return. Today, we celebrate the resurrection. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, we celebrate the life 
of Christ. We thank you for the spirit that gives birth to eternal life. We thank you, Lord, for the good news. The secret has been revealed that Christ lives in us. The supernatural power of God to overcome death itself is ours through faith in Jesus through the word of God. So I pray that this message today will be seeds sown on fertile ground and it will produce much harvest for the glory of the Father. In Jesus' name and amen.